You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, my name is Steve Neal, and I create content with performers with intellectual disabilities for a living. You might recognize Steve Neal as the Dodge Durango Can You Say Hemi spokesperson, or from his turns on Angel and The Improv, or films like Under the Same Moon. He's a passionate artist who thrives on sharing his knowledge, creating content, and coaching performers with intellectual disabilities at Performing Arts Studio West. Here's my chat with Steve Neal. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Hi, my name is Steve Neal, and I make content for performers with intellectual disabilities, and I'm also an on-set coach for those performers. All right, so tell me a little bit about this. How did you get started? Um, I've been working, I've been involved with the disabled community in some way or another. My grandma was in a wheelchair growing up. I helped take care of her, stayed with her for a year, and just... I was just the guy growing up in school. If somebody was picking on, you know, that group of people that, you know, me and my guys would go over and handle it. So I had a, a, a love for, for this community because at the end of the day, it's just where they were. You always had a guy in your group that acted a certain way. I just looked at, looked at people like that, no matter who or what they were. So, so where are you from originally? I'm originally from Santa Rosa, California, about 45 minutes north of uh, SF. Okay. And then, and then how did you find your way to L.A.? Geez, I was studying with an acting coach, um, Neil Lieberman in San Francisco. I was taking classes, and uh, odd story, Bob Zaney's wife had called Neil and said, hey, they're, ha- they're having open auditions in Los Angeles for In Living Color. And my, my guy said, Steve, you got to go. So we worked on a routine. Um, I was managing a Discovery Zone at the time, and the guy next door, his daughter worked for me, and... She said, you know, I told my dad about it. He wants to sponsor you. So he covered my plane flight, hotel, flew me down there, stood in line for three hours, open casting, called Fox, um, got a call back and said, okay, I need to stay for the weekend. He paid for that and ended up having three callbacks. And then the show was canceled soon after that. So I never <laughs> got past it. So with that being said, the place that I was working at, the Discovery Zone said, hey, we we're going to need someone to move to Burbank and take over someone's embezzling money. Would you like to go? We will pay for your full move. I had just did this audition. I'd never auditioned for anything in my life. And I got three callbacks for living color. It's what I always wanted to do was be in the business in some way. So I packed up my gear and uh, I moved to LA. That's it. And then from that being said, I started off there. And and things went well. You've had a lot of different roles. You've been in one of my favorites. You were an angel. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Tell me about that. Angel was a trip. I, I, I would, um, yeah, I just I went in for the audition. It was, it was literally, it, the lines were literally, hello, who's there, please? And it was this, um, this, this ambivalent creature. And I went straight to producers. I was doing Dodge at the time. So I had a few commercials running. So my agent got me straight in there. I was excited. It was just those words, but it was the way that I, I said it in this really crazy, cute way. And literally before I got off the lot, my agent said, you know, they, they want you, they booked you. And, Went in for, you know, prosthetics and got fitted. And, yeah, like what were you on this thing? Oh my god, um, I was called an Arbany, and he was. There was a a character named I want to say his name was Gun. Yeah, the bad guy. No, not a bad right? guy, but one. But he was he wasn't yet part of the team. Who who who? There was a there was a group of guys that were going around killing him yeah. at one point. That's right. Okay. They, they were sort of they were like a group. They were like a, a gang who was fighting vampires on their own but they had no superpowers and they had nothing like that but they but yeah, yeah. They, they were headed up by this guy gun right so that so that was that was the deal i was um dressed in this incredible outfit um wearing basically torn up 
jeans. I had a big gulp Slurpee in my hand. I was in a sewer and uh, they, they chased me down and the lights hit me and I delivered my line. Hello, who's there, please? And then they just unloaded and it was a trip, man. It was, it was a trip. Quite fun. So, and, and you've done lots of commercial work as well as a performer? Yeah, I've done quite a few. I, I landed, I, I got my SAG card uh, doing two Coors Light commercials. What else did I do? Oh, six. I did six. I was the Dodge Durango guy. Yeah. For for two and a half, three years. I did six national, two um, regional, I guess you would call it. So my, the, the big thing was me holding the little boy, you know, going, can you say Hemi? And um <laughs> That really, that character there gave me a taste of what it was like. It was different. It was 2004 when if you landed one commercial, you can make good money. But my God, six was like, it was, it was, let's just say it was crazy going somewhere and somebody recognizing you and you thinking it was ridiculous that someone knew who you were. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I was never that guy. It was like, I don't know. I don't know which I'm not going to leave me alone. <laughs> and you did some, you did some KFC, you did. Uh, a couple of, yeah. Circuit City and stuff like that. Yep. KFC, uh, Circuit City, um, Slim Jim. Like, what's it's it like just, to be the face of, of one of these brands? Like, these are international brands, and all of a sudden, you're the you're the face of them. They're the face of you, I guess. Do you kind of get, you know, tied up with them a lot? You know what? You do? The, the weirdest thing about becoming, becoming the face of something, when you realize that you are that, meaning that when people recognize you. Like, when I did Dodge, after I did three commercials for Dodge, Another director came in and said, look, I just, I want you to be aware of something. Because I was still new to the business, being in front of the camera. You're recognizing you're being associated with Dodge now. So as much as it's a good thing, it could also be a curse because they may, you know, only see you as that guy. So I was like, I didn't understand what that meant. And then three more commercials came and then, then literally wherever I went, you know, people were recognizing me. And even though I've always been that guy in front because I've got a big personality and I'm funny and I love the attention, it was it was quite it was quite embarrassing at times because I didn't I didn't want that kind of attention. I was just like I'm that guy next door. Mm-hmm. So it was always it was cool, but it was like it was really kind of like what's going on? I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, and, and what happens in terms of typecasting? Like, I mean, it's not because it's not just typecasting. You can also get. Uh, you, did you have non compete and stuff like that in your clauses? Like, you couldn't do another. You couldn't go do a Ford yeah. commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after we did, you know, you get yes. It, the, the point came after I did three, and they said we want to do, you know, three more national, two regional. My agent said, "All right, well, here's the deal." Because they said, "Well, that's it, non compete." You signed the contract. You can't do any more car commercials. So my agent said. The normal holding fee was, I think at the time, $500 every, I don't know, 11 weeks or something. He said, well, he, in order for him not to do any other commercials like that, you're going to have to pay him. And the amount was five grand guaranteed, no matter what. And that's when I, I understood, okay, what that whole system meant. And that's, that's exactly what it was. You couldn't do anything like that. And what did having an agent in your back pocket, a manager in your back pocket, like how did that relationship sort of develop and how did it help you over the years? It developed through a friend of mine that, that we were going out and it came time and he said, hey, I've got this agent. He's he's very boutique-y, um, but your kind of comedy, you know, it, it's something that I think that he, he'd like to see you. And just went and met him. We hit it off and he was a great guy and never, you know, shady or or dirty and just was very proud. And, and he, he worked his butt off to try to get me in the door. So it was, it was a very good, healthy relationship opposed to some. And I've had other agents that I was like, you know what? No, you're, 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 you're dirty. You're, you're doing things the wrong way. And you're, you're making up information that, that wasn't true. Meaning that 
I, at one point, I got to the point where I, I couldn't go below scale, my agent said, but I had a manager. Well, the manager, after I told him we can't, we can't go below scale, my agent says this, he submitted me for something below, you know, at, at just scale. We were above scale, like three. And I mean, it just became very ugly that this guy just wanted the money and didn't listen to what I said, because then that affects your so-called brand, meaning that, oh, well, we can get this guy who's the face of this. Oh, but now we can get him for this, you know, for this kind of money that's not, you know, what his agents asked. So it was very backdoor dirty. But, you know, at the end of the day, call the shots. I think that's one of those things that, that I think a lot of young actors and, and new to the business actors aren't always that aware of is, is A, the personal brand, the idea that as an actor, you have to protect your integrity, your name, because that's really all you're going around town with. That's basically it. And then on top of that, you're actually calling the shots. I think a lot of people are expecting their manager or their agent to actually point them in the right direction all the time and advise them and be their consigliere and all of these things. But really, they're just oftentimes they're chasing the money. They want to find the biggest payout because it's entirely possible that you might not ever get another job. So they want to get paid. They want you to get paid. But that's not always the right thing for your career, right? You're exactly right. And I think that one of the big, biggest misconceptions for um, performers just getting into the, the business is first and foremost, you have to understand that it's it's not called the business as a fun name. It's called the business because it's literally a business. So you have to learn to manage manage your money along with what they're doing for you and manage your time and what you want to do. And at the end of the day, really be aware that, look, agents, <laughs> managers, all those people, you don't work for them. They work for you. So if it's not in your best interest and it's something that you don't want to do, because it's not, and let's say that you don't want to do um, cigarettes or alcohol ads just because of, of your beliefs, that's perfectly fine. If they're submitting you for those things and you tell them don't, then you need to make that decision, you know, because at the end of the day, it's you. You're the one in front of the camera. You're the one, you're the one doing the work. Can you deliver what they want you to deliver? And if you can, then you're doing something right. But don't don't get it twisted as if you have to make them happy. You don't. You need to show up. You need to know your lines. You need to be professional. Don't be a prima donna. And you know what? You're not the most important person on set. Without the whole crew, everybody down to crafty, the PAs, everybody, it doesn't get done. It's a, it's a team. It's so, it's so twisted when you go through the business and you see other people that you work with sometimes and they behave a certain way. And you're like, if we weren't on set, I would probably slap you for being so disrespectful to these other people that are, you know what I mean, busting their, I walked, I mean, I'm just going to side note, I held up a production once, I, I had the I had the power, I was the guy, and I went up to talk to Crafty, we were getting ready to go to lunch, and the guy was just, he was kind of not being rude, but he wasn't talking to me, I'm like, I'm like, I was like, did I, did I offend you, and he's like, he said, he's like, no, and he turned to the side, I'm like, what's, I, what's going on, he's like, well, the producer said that we're not we're not supposed to talk to you. We're supposed to we're just not supposed to interact with you. We're just supposed to do our jobs. I'm like, you're kidding, right? And they're like, no. So I I was completely, what are you talking about? So then I went up to a PA and he said the same thing. Steve, all I'm supposed to do is get you from A to B. They don't really want me interacting with you. And I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. You, are you kidding me? So I went to the shot caller for the brand and I said, I'm gonna do something that that I'm going to do. I'm not going to come out of my trailer and tell you either a tell that producer that what they've told these people they need to drop that or you get rid of that producer because I won't come out. And he's like, "Well, we have to get them." Like, you don't understand. I'm I'm suddenly sick. I'm not going to come out and have somebody treat somebody like that because they think that they shouldn't do something because of no. 
doesn't work like that. So we shut down production for about an hour and a half. And then he came back and he said, um, I apologize. That producer is no longer on set. They will be working from the office. And I'm like, okay, then can you please go tell everybody else that this is a ridiculous thing? I know it sounds weird as I'm telling you this, but it, it upset me so much that I could not believe that somebody would do that. Well, what, was the, what were they trying to do? I mean, what was the hope? I don't. I I think that the, I think that the producer was trying to show that they had power. This was a producer that came in. You know, at the end of the day, the brand calls the shots. You can have ten producers from everywhere else; it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's it's the product. Those people, they're the ones. The client calls the shots. They were trying. They were trying to flex. It seemed like. And for me, I, to this day, I really don't understand why. But it was. <clears throat> I've worked on hundreds of sets. And I've seen prima donnas and actors from, you know, AAs, A's to D's, you know, celebrity-wise. And I've never seen anything like that before. And I just, I could not, anyway, I just, it felt good to do it. But then it's the thing you talk about, people not leaving their trailer. But it was like, fuck you. Who, who are you to say this to these people? My job is to perform, be funny for you guys. This guy's job is to get food. This guy's job is, is to, you know, run the camera. This, so without everybody, what do we have? Well, we have a bunch of dumb people staring at each other going, what do you want to do today? But anyway, I tell that story when I, I used to do a lot of teaching to, you know, new act- actors coming up, especially commercial work. And I explained that story to them and, and the importance of do your job, be respectful to everybody. And you're not better than anybody, no matter what your title is. Yeah. And you know, that dovetails very well with, uh, you know, with, with what our, our mutual friend, Robin Collins said, be on time, be ready to work and don't be an asshole. Yep. And those are the things he sort of lives by. And that's, that's how he's always worked. And that seems very similar to how you've always worked. And, and truth be told, other actors that I've met that are successful, that work regularly, that are well-regarded, they all adopt the same, doesn't matter how you word it, but they, they all adopt a similar kind of mentality and they won't deviate from it because it's simply disrespectful to other people on set. Just because you're on camera doesn't make you important. Nope. What are you working on right now? What's, what's keeping you busy right now during the, during the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, what's happening? So at, at Performing Arts Studio West, we're working on a, Geez, it's, it's like a multimedia art project right now, which is basically, it's a coffee table book that's, we're, we're taking classic childhood nursery rhymes and we're, we're adding surreal dark and alternative art styles to them. So it's a book that's got live action. I know it sounds weird. At the end of the day, it's going to be an experience, but it's going to be a coffee table book. And We've shot some live action that coincide with this. So you'll the digital version. And also when we have, you know, the opening, it's going to be a full immersive environment experience for you to come. So at Performing Arts Studio West, we do music, dance, and acting, right? To give to give performers with intellectual disabilities the ability to get into the business that they want to. Well, been doing this since 1998. You know, our 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 founder, John Pazes said, hey, you know what, let's try something different. Let's try, what about print work? And this was just, uh, uh, you know, something he said, let's just try it. So I'd like to do this, he said. And I said, okay, since that's what you want to do, let's make that happen. So I, I'm in charge of the production of, of the book in the sense of coordinating everything and making it happen with whatever we need to be done with from all the departments. So what, we've, what we did was we, we found celebrities to be in these pictures with them basically their art art pieces and then from that we my producing partner Shardell Brown he digitally creates this universe and world that John sees and that Shardell sees and what we managed to do is is provide an opportunity for these guys so we we had we had a we had a, a guy named Raymond Rainey who 
I can't tell you the name of the piece, but I'd be glad to share with you off screen some of these pictures. And I think that you'll look at it and go, it's beautiful what it is. I don't, what do you see? When you see something that's beautiful, you don't see somebody with a, a disability and somebody without, you just see the art. That's the whole point of it. But the main point before I got sidetracked, <laughs> focus, you can do it, buddy. Just focus. <laughs> so with this guy, Raymond, he was constantly, constantly in motion, verbally and physically constantly 100% of the time even if he was just humming through through this process of just coaching them and talking and working with him we were able to get him to sit still for minutes and minutes at a time and take a breath and to get these beautiful pictures that we got of him to add to this art piece the point is is that with our community you've got to give them a chance to succeed and quit thinking that oh they can't like i got a guy who's in a wheelchair and he's twisted up i mean he's he's in a wheelchair Twisted up to the sense I wouldn't pick him from a kickball team, but I would pick him from my debate team because he's 100% up there. Does that make sense? So everyone, everyone's got something to, to give, but you have to give them the opportunity to share that with somebody and quit treating them, you know, as if, you know, they can't do it. Anyway, long story short, we've been working on this, this book for going on nine years now because we're state funded. What we do with the studio and then outside of the studio, calling in connections and everything and hookups, we've managed to get some, you know, <clears throat> celebrities to come and be a part of this and to to lend it to be able to make it successful. And then from that, you know, the idea started pouring in. And I'm like, well, how can we make this more accessible and more exciting for the younger people that, that have, you know, no attention span, well, short form content. So then we started creating short live action pieces that went with these art pieces to show that what it would be like if it was real. And then eventually, eventually we will pitch this as a series, but that's the meat and potatoes to be able to really extra put us on the map to go, wow, look at this. It's a beautiful book. It's not disability or not. Is, is, is this type of a project, is this a, sort of a pilot unto itself or is this the type of work you're regularly doing? You know what? It, the, it's just an extension of what we do. So we've, we've, I mean, done movies, we've shot full length, you know, movies. Um, we've done hundreds and hundreds of live performances, um, sold out 500 seat theaters with, you know, musical event shows from, um, I mean, you know, you think of, Oh, how they're, they're doing a nice performance now. I mean, when we produce an event, we produce an event. Everything from, you know, lights to projectors to, you know, music to professional, you know, we have a music department that's very highly accomplished, an acting department where the teachers all work in, in front of the camera have been doing it for years. So everybody's got something that they offer. We've just all come together for this, but commercials we've done, um, you name it, we do it. So we're constantly being creative. My, my the creator of the, the studio's idea was let's, let's teach through you know, the arts, that's, that's, it's basically we're a day program. We're literally a day program, you know, for people with intellectual disabilities. So a lot of day programs, you can go there and they can learn certain skills or a lot of them, you know, it just is what it is. They're not, they're not doing what we're doing. We're saying, let's inspire. What do you want to be? You want to be an actor? Cool. Let's teach you how to act. Well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to teach you how to slate. We're going to teach you scene work. We're going to teach you improvisation. And when you go to set, you're going to be prepared because you've been taught as you should be like a person without a disability. You guys create projects for the various people that are coming and they're, they're learning practically. They're learning to be on set. 
because they're making something that is actually being shot. They're learning to be on stage because they're making something that's going to be mounted on a stage. And they're going to learn how to record or sing or dance or play an instrument because they're actually recording something, right? Yeah. What happens when they get an opportunity? Well, we've we've literally got over 10,000 credits in TV, <laughs> TV, film, commercials, music. I mean, motion, motion pictures that our guys, you know, um, uh, one of our, one of our guys did a, a picture with uh, Brian Cranston a couple of years ago. I mean, one of our, one of our guys, Luke Zimmerman was on the show for five years as a regular um, secret life of the American teenager. So we create content because it's, it's in our blood at, at where we work to be creative teachers, you know, staff, we create and help students create so they can have something right there. And then we have a full management department that we represent and, you know, as managers as well, you know, with getting them auditions. And then when they do, and when they do get the job, then we go work with them on set and we, you know, help educate the the producers and directors. What is it like walking on a set? Do people know how to treat or for that matter, not treat people with disabilities? Yes. I mean, I've not been on a set yet to where they weren't, they weren't treated, you know, uh, with respect. But the the thing, normally this is what you get. You know that if I say, hey, we're, we need to make our day, what that means. You know, that means you're going to get your shots and you got to get through a scene and you want to go, okay, moving on. So you want to hear moving on, which means we're going, we're shooting the next, the next scene. What we've found along the way is that a lot of directors, they will say, let's move on if they're not, if they're not getting what they really need sometimes. Sometimes they get what they want. Our job is, as onset coaches is to, we can get our actors to be wherever they need to be. We can get them to cry. We can get them to be angry. We, that's how they've been trained. And that's what we're there to help if need, if we need to facilitate that. But our goal is to educate the producers and the directors mainly to go, look, here's the deal. And these are conversations that we've actually had because you get to the point where they say moving on. And then there was one day we were working on, on a, on a series and the director said, "Moving, let's let's move on." And I knew that they didn't get what they wanted, but they hadn't asked, you know, they hadn't given any extra direction. And I, we always go in between, you know, takes to go. Okay, this is what this is what this is what they're looking for. Do you know what's going on? How do you feel? Let's get you to that point. Well, I pull the director aside once and said, "Look, can I can I just be candid with you?" And it's taking a chance for me because I'm, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's you're talking directly to the director, and I, it's like, look, I, I would love you to understand that. I, I do understand that they have that this person has some sort of a, a disability, whatever that may be. But but please treat them as if they were a regular actor, which they are. They've been trained. They know. So please don't be afraid to to push them and pull them and really get on them and like you would any other actor because they've been trained and they're capable of handling it. And if they weren't capable of handling it, we would not bring them to your set. You know what I mean? When they come, they're ready to go, one hundred percent. So please. It's important for us to know that you get what you want creatively for your piece to make this piece work and not use the words moving on if you don't get what you want. That's important for us. So whatever we can do to help you cool, but please feel free to take the reins off and just like you would. Nope. You know, back to one guys, listen, I need this, 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 and this. You know what, Mike, I need you to really push more here. You're not giving me that. I need you to really and and there was there was one there, there was one director that got it. A lot, a lot of them really tried, but every now and then you get someone that's not afraid. Because the, the thing is, they try to handle um, our performers with, with, with you know, kid gloves. To be, you know, they don't want to hurt them. They don't want to look. 
empower them. Don't disable them because you're you're worried about hurting their their feelings, their people. You don't need to do that. Treat them treat them as an adult because they're all adults. So give them that respect and do that. Don't worry about hurting them. And that's what we get a lot of is the, the baby and the pampering. And we don't do that at the, at the studio. We love them. I mean, we're like a really dysfunctional family between staff and clients. We all make fun <laughs> of each other. It's like we've been hanging out, you know, our whole lives. But at the end of the day, we're there to make help make them a better version of themselves, to empower them, to give them confidence, and to teach them respect, and to let them know that, you know what, no matter what, what's going on in your life, when you're here, learn something, and when you leave here, take it with you, but just know that you're no different. You're no different. Nobody's better than you. So believe in yourself, and that's, you know, our goal is to do that, not to give the respect, give them the opportunity, but, but please, if you're, I'm just going to segue. So one of our things is this. Right now, the climate, I have a buddy of mine that, that's shooting a piece that, in, that involves um, somebody that came back from, from military service and was in, was in conflict. Well, this, this person you know, in, in, this, in this film um, is missing an arm and a leg, okay? He called me and said, hey, can I ask, you know, what, what's, what's the climate? Um, am I, am I, is it right or wrong if I don't, you know, hire somebody with or what, what's the deal? And I said, well, this is, this is my, this is how we feel in our community. You should definitely audition people. You know, if you're auditioning somebody with a disability of missing a limb or somebody who's got Asperger's or somebody who's got, you know, autism, at least audition these people, give the opportunity because there are actors out there that can, that can hopefully give you what you're looking for. Now, if you've auditioned, auditioned, and you've given it a really good go, and then you find that you can't get the performance from that person, then you've got to make a decision for your creative piece, which way you want to go with that, what's best for it. At the end of the day, the piece should always be the piece. But at least give, at least give the opportunity to audition because you don't know what you don't know. Thank you. Good day. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. And scene. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm imagining that you have these types of conversations quite regularly. I imagine when anybody gets booked, when anybody asks a question about what it is you do, because it is vastly different. I mean, you're, you're a manager and you're a producer, and you manage and produce along with, as you said, a community, which is not really how this works. I know what your clients get out of this. I know that they get support. I know they get teaching. I know that they get um, uh, opportunity out of working with you. What do you get out of it? What does it, what does it mean to you to work with this group? Wow. That's a good question. Um, I guess, I guess what I get out of it is, is, is the opportunity to share with other people that don't work with our community that it's no different than somebody without a disability in the sense of that's just where they're at. And because I'm so social and I'm out there and I'm, you know, I enjoy the, I enjoy the, you know, the opportunity to be able to share with people when they ask me, you know, they think, Oh, is it, is it so reward? It's rewarding to have a job that you love and you truly go to work with people that you love. I mean, across the board, I mean, I've, I've literally had a couple of hundred different jobs and that's not even a joke in my life just because I've always tried different things, but I've never worked somewhere that was such a community and a family with the staff that truly believes and they give 100%. I'm the guy that doesn't believe in 110% because there's no such thing. I used to fight with my football coach. And he'd go, I need 110, Neil. I'm like, dude, I can give you a hundred because that's, that's literally what I can give you because that's real. But I, you know, when you work somewhere that you love, and you, you have the opportunity to relate to our community and, and give them the feeling that everything's okay and that it's normal because it should be. Not everybody can do that. 
look, everybody that works where I work at Performing Arts, all the staff are on the same level in the sense of this is what we do. This is who we are. This is normal to us, and it should be normal to everybody outside of here just because somebody is a certain way. It should be normal. But other people that work in our community that that don't spend every day with our guys, they do. And I have love for them, but they do still have that, oh, you know, the, the pat on the head and the little cute thing. But that's okay because sometimes people do jobs that they do and they enjoy, but they don't 100% acclimate to the climate in which they are in, in the sense of this is it. This is normal. It's no different. I get the reward of making somebody smile or giggle and joke with them about their disability as they joke with me about mine. You know, me, you know, whether it's I I spell a word wrong or I pronounce something wrong or what have you, or my attention span is, you know, squirrel, literally. So (laughs) it's it's rewarding in several ways, but it's, you know, I I don't know what to say. It's, it's, It's a great, it's a great positive environment. So yeah, I mean, I, I can honestly say that I don't think that most people work in a place that they consider to be a good and positive environment. I think people work places for a paycheck because they have to. They tolerate people that they work with. They tolerate their clients and smile and nod. So to not have to do any of those things sounds like a pretty damn good place to work. Yeah. What sort of things do you do online? Because I know you guys do a fair bit of stuff offline. In other words, there's there's a certain practical nature to what you do to get your clients taught, seen, opportunity, and out there. What are you doing in the online space? What are you doing uh, in the digital space, especially during, you know, a little thing like a global pandemic to get folks opportunities, get folks seen, and what can they do? Um, You know, we we started Zoom immediately after everything happened. So, I mean, as much as it was crazy, you know, everybody put their heads together. How can we keep this how can we keep this going? Because our, our, our guys need an outlet, you know, they'll, they usually get left by the wayside. So we got into the zoom space immediately. And I mean, we put up content, um, on PASW TV on YouTube. Um, we put stuff up on, on Facebook. We do a lot of live shows. And then we, this last year, we, we did a lot of tape stuff, you know, but through zoom, like we did for <laughs> John, he writes a Christmas show every year every single year and he only he usually starts at like you know a month maybe before it's it's time to start rehearsals and it's a it's a full-on show beginning middle and end you know what i mean and we've got usually in a show like that we have anywhere between 60 to 80 performers that he writes for and then we we, we film that and then we put that up online um we're getting more and more into you know creating the con more content it's just finding a, you know a space you know, for that. But like I said, we've got a, a full, the management department submits them every day. You know what I mean? So the guys, we just had one of our guys, um, I, I want to say it was a commercial, just landed a commercial that they'll be shooting. And our guys have worked throughout the pandemic to an extent once they opened up again, but we're constantly trying to find new ways. Uh, our, our, our goal and our, our hope is that once, once this, once we release this book and get more exposure on the book and people can see the beautiful art piece opposed to, they'll shine more of a light on on our community and what we do. I mean, we're well known in the industry as it is for providing performers with with you know intellectual disabilities the opportunity to perform. We're we're that hub. If you want to, if you want to find somebody with a specific disability that, that's an actor, you know, come see us. I'm wondering what other groups are doing similar type of work. I mean, obviously in Hollywood a lot of people are there they're for acting, they're there to perform. What about New York? What about Chicago? These are other big towns. Is is this type of work being done there as well? 
You know what? I'm sh- I'm sure that there's. I know that there's a lot of different you know places that that that, that do you know plays or you know uh, performances and such. But I, I don't I don't know other places that do. We're literally we're the school of fame for performers with disabilities. It's it's it. I mean, you come, you walk through the hallways. It's like high school. You got one guy singing. You got one guy working on his acting piece, right? You, you do. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You got one guy that's working, you know, that's, that's doing the dance. It's working on their dance because they go through three classes a day, music, dance, and acting. They rotate through every single day, every day. And we're open all year round. You're making triple I, threats. Which, no joke, son. <laughs> Get to it, son. <laughs> Is it, is it mostly mental disabilities? Is that mostly what no, you're... No. you said no, physical as well, right? Yeah, we've got, you know, people... Um, our clients range from, you know, cerebral palsy to Asperger's to autism to Down syndrome. It's, a, it's across the board. I mean, literally, it's a hodgepodge. Now, some places just uh, work with the autistic, you know, um, climate. And some people... If if you're 18 and you you fall under what we're looking for in the sense of, you know, behavioral or, or what have you, then we're the place. And there's we've listened. The, the work that we do at the studio provides an opportunity for somebody to to grow and to find themselves. They literally have the ability to be who they want to be uh, without judgment. So we get people that come in sometimes that are are nonverbal. Don't don't say hardly anything. But after some time of working there, next thing you know, bam, we got conversation. Got a guy who's, you know, autistic. And, you know, when you're dealing with, with the spectrum, sometimes um, one, of, one of the things that, that comes out that you'll see is, is they don't like to be touched or, you know, get too much in their space, you know. But after time, you know, next thing you know, you're getting hugs. Next thing you know, you know, you're you're coming up and you're you're whispering or they're whispering to you. So it's we're about empowering. You know, if you give somebody an opportunity to to be themselves and to truly encourage them and empower them and don't hold them down, you know, you, you can't do that. You don't do that. Well, how do you know if you don't give this person an opportunity, right? How how did you learn to walk? You learned by falling on your ass a thousand times, right? So you're gonna fall. You're gonna you're gonna crack a few eggs making that omelet, right? But eventually, if you give the opportunity to keep trying, something something's gonna come from that. Even if it's the most minute thing, can change somebody's fucking life. Just that little bit, man. Give somebody the opportunity to walk out of there. That guy Raymond I was talking about that was able to sit still. He was so. F- happy when he was done that he was able to do that for himself it's you can't explain what it gives somebody that that gets overlooked and believe me our guys get overlooked there's a piece that i've got up on um PASW TV. it's called cooties and it's it's me explaining because i was just done a few years ago and i was like i'm sick i'm sick of the behavior i'm, I'm sick of people always acting like our guy like, when we go out in public and we go somewhere for for going to an audition and people see us walking, you get looks and it's like, you know, it's just, so I did this bit about cooties with guys, two people in a wheelchair. And one of the gals that's on stage, actually Blair, she went and got her freaking degree at, at Berkeley. She's got, you know, cer- cerebral palsy, but she graduated from Berkeley last year. Anyways, my point is you act like somebody's got, got cooties. You don't want to touch them because, because you don't know you're afraid. You, you, what's going to happen? Well, nothing's going to happen. This is, this is real life. The problem is, is you look like this. If you're constantly looking forward, even as even as somebody that is not thinking about our community, just in general, 
do yourself a favor, man. L- look around once in a while, you know, look around. Oh shit. There's, there's a moon up there. And you know what else? <laughs> there's stars that come out at night, but people get so focused on not seeing what's around them. So I'm all over the place. I need, I need a Wrangler. Where do you go, Wrangler? <laughs> what, what happens if there's somebody who does want to broaden their perspective, take off the blinders who they, they want to help, or for that matter, they want maybe not to help. What they want to actually do is have it be normal for them. What's the first place to start? I guess, you know, fine. If it's something that they want to get involved with, you know, with that, with our community would be, you know, to, to find a program, you know, find a, you know, we have people that, that come and volunteer sometimes, you know, as, as interns or, you know, somebody's got, you know, land that, that, that we, that they want to offer it for us to shoot a piece on or something so they can kind of, you know, feel like they're a part of something. Just, just come down to the studio, you know, set up an appointment and come down and, Sitting, sitting back and, and audit a class. You know, maybe you want to be more comfortable with that community. You want to see what you can you can do and, and, and reach out to, you know, Easter Seals, you know, or, or some organization to where you're you're doing something though. But you know, come with the open mind to go. Yeah, it, it's 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 things that people are afraid of because they don't know and they don't know how to react or act. And that's the thing is, you know, and you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you got to get out there, man. See what it's like. Steve, where can people find out a little bit more about you? Um, you can go to performingartstudiowest.com, and we've got a, an awesome uh, website there that'll give you information about what we do, what are what kind of classes we provide, and what kind of activities you know we do. We're always training, and if you're looking for somebody with an intellectual disability to be a part of one of your projects, you know whether you you're looking for an opera singer, we've got an, an opera singer, we've got the the wide spectrum, as it were. Um, you can check us out. Uh, we've got a Facebook page, uh, YouTube channel, PSW TV. Just, you know, check us out. And, and don't be afraid. That what's awesome about our website, too, is there's a donate button. We're state-funded. And we are one of the we are one of the few, and I'm going to say it, day programs that our boss gives, meaning that you can always take more of the money if you want, wherever you work. Our guy makes sure that the money goes to... We can do projects, you know, we, we build our own sets. I mean, we, we build our own props. And if we don't, we buy them. We've established uh, relationships with a couple of prop houses that we get discounts on for, you know, for things. So if you want to help contribute, performing our Studio West, please come down and we'll take your money anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.